0: All right, so God speaks life into death. In just a moment, I'm going to read to you the first 14 verses of Ezekiel chapter 37. This is the fifth Sunday of Lent. We haven't really talked about Lent a lot, and we're not a liturgical church who follows the liturgical calendar of the church. But these are the weeks leading up to Easter, and in two weeks, we will celebrate the resurrection of the Lord on Easter Sunday. And Lent is the season in which we prepare ourselves for that day of celebration. The word Lent is an interesting word. Many of you think Lent is what comes out of your dryer filter after you dry your clothes. And it's true, that is Lent. And by the way, if you ever need a good fire starter, Lent is a really good way to start a fire. But that's not the lint we're talking about here. We're talking about the season leading up to Easter. Lent, it's an interesting word. The word lint comes from the 13th century. That's That's when we know it was first used. It's a Middle English word that comes from an old high German word and it simply means spring. Lent means springtime. That's what it means. So the season of Lent is the season of spring. Spring has always marked the celebration of new life. God gave us springtime in fact, to show us his new life. You can go outside right now and you can see new life budding everywhere. Lent in the Christian liturgical calendar begins on Ash Wednesday and marks the weeks of preparation leading up to Easter Sunday. It's in many Christian traditions a season marked by penance and fasting. Doesn't sound real joyful, does it? But actually, Lent And the purpose of Lent is to remind us of life. Lent is leading us to the day we mark as the most holy day on the Christian calendar. The day we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. Now, it's not that Easter Sunday is a more holy day than the Monday after Easter Sunday, because it's not. We should know that each day is holy, and each day is the day to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. For this and every day is the day the Lord has made. A set day to mark his resurrection does not make any other day less holy. Every day is a gift from God. Every day, God is speaking his resurrection life into death. Lent means spring. And spring marks the end of winter. Spring brings new life all around us. Trees that stand bare through winter now bud and bloom with fresh life. Fields of fresh green grass replace the crisp brown and dull gray of winter's barren touch. In spring life is all around, visible for all to see and smell and touch and enjoy. Winter is earth's burial, but spring is its resurrection. In our text today from Ezekiel 37, we will see God speaking life into death. We will see a picture of life overcoming death in God's glorious promise to his people. Ezekiel chapter 37 I'm going to read to you, and please follow along in your Bibles, beginning in verse 1 through verse 14. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very, very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked The sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them. And they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves, I will put my spirit in you and you shall live And I will place you in your own land, and then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, thus says the Lord. Amen. So in our text today, we see the prophet Ezekiel brought by the hand of the Lord out in the spirit and set in a valley full of dry bones. And God asked the prophet this question, can these bones live? A pretty amazing question. And I think Ezekiel answered quite wisely when he responded, "O oh Lord, you know. Very often God seems to place before us impossible situations. And he asks us what we think, what we believe about those impossible situations. And in those times, that is when our flesh and our enemy tempt us to try to solve those problems and answer those questions out of our own wisdom, out of our own power, out of our own ability. And we very often look at situations and circumstances From our own power, from our own point of view, measuring our own ability and our own power against the impossibility of the situation before us. And that is when we become very discouraged in the Lord. And God never tells us to stand in the power of our own might. In fact, He commands us to stand in the Lord and in the power of his might. And so when God asked the prophet, can these bones live? The prophet wisely responded, oh Lord God, you know. And when we look at our own situations and our own circumstances... We need to defer from our own power and our own wisdom and look to the Lord and say, God, I don't know, but you know. You know how I will overcome this impossible situation. And as the Lord asked Ezekiel, O son of man, can these bones live? And the response of the prophet, You know, Lord, Then God commanded Ezekiel to prophesy to these bones. He commanded him to prophesy to the breath. He commanded him to prophesy to my people. I want you to see this as we go through this text, that God calls these bones that he brings to life his people. Today, I want you to know that God calls you his people. Prophesy to these bones. God commands the prophet. O dry bones hear the word of the Lord. The Lord can speak to dry bones. And cause them to hear. In their state of utterly dry deadness. I want you to get the picture here. These bones were so dry. They were bleached white, and brittle by the sun. These weren't freshly dead. These were dry dead, long dead. No life left in them whatsoever. And God sets the prophet in the midst of this valley of dry bones and asks him the question that seems to have such a logical answer. Can these bones live? And the logical answer is absolutely not. These dead, bleached, white, dry bones have no life. They cannot live. But wisely, the prophet understood who was asking the question. It was the Lord God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, the very author of life, the very one who created those bones, the prophet was looking at. And very wisely the prophet said, O Lord God, you know. And if God wants dry bones to live, I tell you God, that God will cause dry bones to live. Dry bones don't have ears to hear. But when God speaks to the dry bones, the dry bones hear and the dry bones respond to the will of God. They have no choice but to obey when God speaks and God wills for them to live. And in these bones coming to life, we see a picture of the new creation. From sun-bleached, dry bones, God calls them together. And he puts sinew and flesh and skin on these bones. He puts breath in them. And they live. And once alive, these bones know that he is the Lord. I want you to see when the knowledge of the Lord comes. It comes when these bones have come from death to life. In death, just like dead, dry bones, we Have no knowledge of him and of his life. We do not know that he is the Lord. He must call us to life as new creations from the dead. He must put the breath of life in our new creation. Raise us and stand us up. It is through his life that we come to know that he is the Lord. You worship him today because he has called you from death to life. You worship him today because you know that he is the Lord. And you know that he is worthy of your worship. And God said to the prophet, prophesy to these bones. And so the prophet prophesied. And he spoke to the bones and he said, hear The word of the Lord, O dry bones, and they heard, and they came together in life. And then God tells the prophet, prophesy to the breath. And the Bible says that God called the breath from the four corners of the earth. And the breath came together, and God placed breath in these corners bones that had been brought together, and God had put flesh on them, and they were empty sacks of flesh, but God put his breath in them, and they became living beings. It's very similar to the picture we see in Genesis when God creates Adam from the dust, and he forms man from the dust of the earth, and there is a man there, but he is not living because there is no breath in, them, in him. And God breathes his breath of life into Adam. And Genesis says Adam becomes a living being. Here we have dry bones brought together by the power of God. By the very words of God. And God in bringing those bones together and covering them with flesh. They are lifeless until God calls the breath to come into them. And he commands the prophet prophesied to the breath. And so the prophet prophesies to the breath. And the breath comes and fills these bodies. The spirit alone gives life. There is no life apart from the spirit of God. We can have flesh and bone but no life in us. We can have the appearance of being alive in our bodies and not have his breath of life. Only the Spirit gives life to us. Job said in Job 33:4, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. The Spirit of God gives us life, and when his breath comes into us, we come alive. In his life, we are given the ability to stand upon our feet as an army ready for battle. That is the picture given to us here in Ezekiel. That God doesn't just assemble random bones, but he assembles these bones that he calls his people. He says, these are my people, prophesy to my people, and he doesn't raise up just individuals that are disconnected, but he raises them up an exceedingly great army. And what is an army? An army is a mass of individuals that work together, that live together, that fight together, that move together, that function together for the purpose of their commander. And who is their commander? It is the Lord Jesus. He is the commander. He is the commander of the host of heaven. He is our commander. He is our king. We are his people. We are his army. We are his body in the earth. We are the people of God placed in the earth today as much as those dry bones raised to life were the people of God in the exceedingly great army Of God's people in Ezekiel's day. It is no different today. Than it was in Ezekiel's day. God has always had. An army of his people in the earth. And God's people have always faced an enemy. And God's people and God's army. Has always faced impossible situations. In fact if you read. God's word, and you read all throughout the Old Testament in the history of Israel. Very often, God would, most often, God would put Israel in impossible situations against impossible odds, yet God would bring them victory after victory as they trusted him. You can read the scripture and see it's when Israel trusts in her own strength, when she would go to other nations and inscript other armies and other kings to come in and assist them. And they would have perhaps numeric superiority against their opposing armies and God would bring defeat upon them and God would chastise them and say, you trusted me. When you faced impossible odds and I gave you victory, why did you not trust me again? Why did you feel compelled to go to this king or that nation? Why did you not trust me? And we can read that in Israel's history, and we may be tempted to say, boy, I wouldn't be like Israel. If I were Israel knowing how great God is, I would trust God. Yet here we are today. Living in a world filled with uncertainty, facing things that have no cure, enemies we can't see, we can't detect with our naked eye, and if we listen to the world, it's all around us, and it's going to kill us all, and yet God says, trust me, I am the author of life, I am the creator of life. I can bring life to dry bones scattered across valleys. Trust me. And so God commands the prophet to prophesy to the breath. And when Ezekiel prophesies to the breath, these bones come alive. And God says... Then prophesy to my people. So we go from scattered dry bones in a valley, unrecognizable. We don't know who they belong to. Then God says, these are my people. This is the whole house of Israel. These are my people, slain, my slain. Do you know what the scripture says? The scripture says, my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. And God commands the prophet, prophesy to my people. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. God is not just prophesying to any dry bones or random inanimate skeletons or bodies, He is prophesying to his own people. God prophesies and calls them my people. The promise of God is that he will open their graves and cause them to come up from their graves. And when God calls them up from their graves, he cannot be resisted. Those whose graves he opens, he will cause to come up from their graves. He Wills death to relent, to release them from their graves. The will of death cannot resist the will of God for life. God is calling these he is raising up. He is calling these my people. He is calling you today my people His promise to His people is that He will cause you to come up from your graves. And those He calls to life will come to life. And those whose graves He opens, He will cause to come up out of those graves in new life. And those He raises up in new life will have that life eternally in Jesus Christ. No one is saying that we will not or we cannot die. In fact, God says we will all die. Whether you live so many years on this earth, you go to bed one night and wake up in heaven the next morning. Or whether you die by a a virus named COVID-19 or swine or SARS or whatever else may come in the future that, that we don't know of yet. Whatever may take our physical life cannot take the eternal life, the new life, the resurrection life that Jesus has put in us. And that is the life that God gives to us. That is the promise God has made to us. When he speaks to these dry bones, he's not saying these these dry bones will be raised again and never die again. Just like Lazarus. The friend of Jesus was raised from the dead, but Lazarus died again, a physical death. But Lazarus was raised more than just from physical death. Lazarus was raised from spiritual death. And it's spiritual death that has no hold on us any longer when God calls us out of our graves and raises us in resurrection life and resurrection power. And this is exactly why Jesus tells his disciples, and that's all of us, do not fear those who have power to kill your body. So don't fear a state, a nation, a man who has power to kill your body, and don't fear a virus who has power to kill your body. Don't live foolishly, don't be foolish, don't tempt death. Be faithful. Be courageous. Be obedient to God. And trust Him with your life. Yes, even trust Him with your physical death. Because physical death does not define our life. It's just the end of what this body can do on this earth until God makes it new again in the resurrection. This is the hope we have in Jesus. And God says to the prophet, prophesy to my people. And he says in verse 13, Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. It is when God brings us from death to life, up from our graves, that we come to know that he is the Lord. When we are dead, we have no knowledge of him. It is in life that we know him and love him For in his grace, he first knew us, and he first loved us. Verse 14, I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. God has put his spirit in us. What an amazing thing. Think about that for a moment. God has put His Spirit in us. The same Spirit of life that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Romans 8 11. And not only will it dwell in you, but it says it strengthens your mortal body. It's going to give you a resurrection body one day, but until then, it even strengthens your mortal body. By grace, through faith, God puts his spirit in us and causes us to live eternally. God has put his spirit in us, and then God says, I will place you in your own land. He's talking to his people, Israel, in Ezekiel's day, but he's saying it for us today in our day. I will place you in your own land. Here in Ezekiel's prophecy, Ezekiel is alluding to the return of Israel from captivity in Babylon back into their own land. This was historically fulfilled when Israel returned to the land from their Babylonian captivity. The metaphor here, the picture that's being shown to us is of being raised from the depths of death to new life. That's what happened to Israel. After 70 years of captivity, it was like the dead being raised again and God placing them back in their land. The reality of Israel coming back to the land as from death is picturing our true exodus, our true return from death to life that we all experience as a new creation in Jesus Christ. The spiritual fulfillment of all that is being pictured here is fulfilled in Jesus Christ and in his body, the church. In other words, you are the true Fulfillment of what Ezekiel was seeing in his vision. Yes, there was a literal historical fulfillment of Israel returning from captivity back into the land. But they returned back into that land only so that the Messiah could come. They rebuilt that temple that was destroyed the first time only so that that Messiah could walk into it And see it destroyed again and build up the third and final temple, which is his resurrected body. And on the third day after his crucifixion, when he was put into that tomb, he rose again from the dead. And the third temple was erected, was raised up in new life. And guess what? You are that temple today. You are the people of God today. You have been placed into the land of promise. I will place you in your own land. When we are born again by the Spirit, we are brought back from captivity and death. In His grace, God places us in His Son, and so He places us into new life. Christ is the land that God has always promised his people. This does not mean that there are not real land, real geography spoken of in these promises. There is. And God brought Israel back to a real land we can identify on real maps, in real geography, just as he promised he would. If we see, though, that ultimate fulfillment in God's people being geography located on a map or a globe and not Jesus Christ and his spiritual body, then we have settled for infinitely less than what God has actually promised us. All the land promises in the scripture can do and speak, they they are there, they're real. And they do speak of real land and real geography on earth, but they speak of much more. They speak of, Christ. They just picture for us in this temporal time space reality. They picture for us the eternal picture, the eternal promise that God will give to us, has given to us in Jesus. They speak of Christ. The promised land that God promised his people is only received in Jesus. The land God's people will inherit is not a small nation in what we call the Middle East. What God has promised his people is much greater than that. In Mark 8.36, Jesus asked this question, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his own soul? The answer is that it profits him nothing. So there is something even greater to gain than a nation. There is something greater to gain than the whole world, Jesus teaches us. And that greater gain is Christ Himself. The ultimate promise of God was never in a land, in geography. The ultimate promise of God, the ultimate promised land has always been Christ and all that God gives to us in Christ. Well, what does God give us in Christ? He gives us everything in Christ. The Bible teaches us that the earth and its fullness belong to the Lord. And God gave man dominion over the whole earth in the beginning. We should not be so limited in our thinking to think that now God's people, Jew or Gentile, will only get a small nation in the midst of the whole earth. No, the meek shall inherit the earth, the whole earth. Yet even in that truth, there is an even greater gain. Our greatest promise, our greatest gain is and always will be Christ. Now... We understand from the teaching of the scripture. Paul teaches this in Ephesians. He teaches this in Galatians. He teaches this in Colossians. There is no longer Jew nor Greek, but the two have become one in Jesus Christ. One is not excluded. Both are included. The people of God made in the image of the one new man, Jesus Christ, will inherit the whole earth and even more. With Jesus being our ultimate promise, in Christ we have gained the whole world. In Christ we have gained everything because God has not withheld anything but has freely given to us all things in Christ. Blessing us, blessing us with every spiritual blessing in Christ when we realize that God has put His Spirit in us, given us eternal life, and placed us in Jesus Christ, then we must know that it is the Lord Himself who spoke it and performed it. That salvation is of the Lord. It is not our own doing. It is the Lord's work. It is the Lord's Doing It is the gift that God has given to us by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Don't let the fear of the world, don't let the fear of external circumstances, don't let the hype and the lie that the world wants you to believe Invade your heart and invade your mind and make you believe less than what God has promised you. And his promise is that he has already conquered death. Don't fear death. Fear God. And trust him with your life. God is still prophesying to his people God is still speaking to his people through his word. Paul tells us in his letter to the Corinthians that these things were examples for us. That means we can learn today from what God did yesterday. God is still speaking life into death. God is still raising up the dead. God is still opening graves and calling his people up from those graves. One of the worst things that can happen is to find yourself sitting in a grave when you should be up walking free out of it. It's like staying in a prison after you've been given the keys to go free. God is still causing his people to come up from their graves. The good news is that God is unwilling to leave his people imprisoned in their graves. Imprisoned by death. God promises to his people that... He will cause you to come up from your graves, that He will cause you to come out of death and into life. And if you are His people today, then you are no longer in death, but you are indeed in His life. We do not have the power to release ourselves from death. We need to be set free from one greater than ourselves. Jesus Christ is the greater one that sets us free. He calls us up and out of our grave. Do not resist his call because your resistance is futile. You cannot resist God's call and God's will. When God calls you to life, you must respond. So walk willingly. Walk obediently. Walk joyfully. Walk courageously. Walk Boldly in his life. Don't walk foolishly. Walk walk wisely. Don't be presumptuous. Be humble. But don't confuse humility with fear. Because humility is not fear. Meekness is not weakness. God calls us to be meek, not weak. He calls us to be humble, not fearful. He calls us to be bold and courageous. To face death head on. Because he has already overcome it. He has already given us the victory. He has and he will cause us to come up out of our grave. He will bring us into his salvation He will bring us into his freedom. If you are trusting Jesus today, he has already brought you out of your grave, out of death, and into your freedom. God speaks life into death. Death has been eternally overcome, eternally defeated through the life of Jesus Christ. Now in Christ, we have no reason to fear death. Now in Christ, we have been given abundant life fullness of joy and we are to walk in it every day that God gifts us in this life. Amen. So let's prepare our hearts to come to his table. And if you're watching us by live stream if you're able I would encourage you to take this moment and reflect about coming to the Lord's table eating his bread, drinking that cup. It's a reminder that just as winter gives way to spring, death has given way to life in Jesus Christ. We come to this table and we remember his death. And in remembering and proclaiming his death, we proclaim his resurrection life. The life eternal God has given you in Jesus Christ. Death cannot hold you back any more than it could hold back Jesus. He is risen and so are you in Him. So Christian, come to the table. Come to Jesus Christ. Let's all stand. Here is your charge, church. I want to remind you God is still speaking life into death. As we are leading up to the celebration of Easter, the celebration of the Lord's resurrection. The resurrection of Christ is the celebration of life victorious over death. God placed in his creation the seasonal reminder of this truth with the passing of winter into spring. More so, God placed a daily reminder of his resurrection life with the passing of each day and the dawn of each new one. We are charged to remember this, to be reminded of this, With every dawn of every new day, we should know, we should be reminded that Jesus is alive and that we have hope and that we have victory over death. Year after year, season after season, day after day, God reminds us that life has conquered death. He reminds us that even death is subservient to life in the power of Christ's resurrection. He shows us every day how he continues to speak life into death. In Christ, God raises us from our grave and gives us eternal life in Jesus. And even in the dry barrenness of death, when God speaks life, Death must obey his voice and loose its grip on all whom God calls from death to life. This is all of us who name the name of Jesus, who name him as Lord, who name him as Savior. Therefore, do not despair. Even with death being highlighted all around us, God is still speaking life into death And death has no choice but to surrender to his command. This is good news. Life has triumphed over death. We are charged to live life fully in Jesus. We are charged to do all that we do as unto the Lord and for his glory. As it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God does not advocate foolish, tempting, or acting unwisely. But he does absolutely command boldly boldness, and courage, especially in the face of death. Stare death down, remember it, and all who are fearful around you, remind it, and all who are fearful around you, that God has given us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The key to living free from fear is to be living fully in his love for us. I leave you with the words of Jesus who said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That is our charge. Believe it and so live it in Jesus' name. Amen.